example, like some of it's on my computer, some of it's on the screen, so just I might need your help if I can't like, see what's going on here. Um, so as Becky said, I'm Erin Johnson. Um, this, actually this year I am still um, employed with politician, but I'm actually taking a step back from teaching and um, staying at home with my youngest daughter. Um, but I still am at school occasionally and I'm still running the invite sports program and I still love to things like this and share what I love to do. Um, so you can find me at those those places up there. If you'd like to, click that link. If you go to the bit link that was up here, you have a chance to type that in. Um, you can click on that link for a giveaway at the end. Um, I'll put your name in on the spreadsheet and then I'll go in and enter all the names and pick two winners. If you like prizes, that's great. Um, so uh, that's what I'm doing this year. In the past, I've um, taught at Holland Christian as the inclusion teacher, um, working at the middle school for four years, and then as last year was at Rose Park, which is an elementary building, so I've experienced teaching students with disabilities, um, specifically cognitive impairments um, at that elementary and middle school level. And I'm really passionate about what I do because I um, am an older sister to a younger brother with Down syndrome. Um, he's my best friend. We grew up together. Um, we're still very close to this day, and so he's the whole reason I went into special education and wanted to pursue that, and he's the reason why I'm so passionate about sharing with other people, um, and some of the books that I'll introduce to you as well. Uh, just I'm very I'm a big fan of them because I believe that they have um, a powerful influence in children's lives to be able to teach kids more about disability and more about how to be a friend to someone who has a disability. So, um, first of all, why, why this presentation? Why does it matter? Um, so teaching kids about disability and um, about inclusion is just, it's critical. Um, because students with disabilities are going to be in the classrooms, especially as Christian schools. I feel like we are in a, in a world now where students with disabilities are not in their own classrooms um, necessarily. They're not in a separate school. They are integrated and included in the building, if not in the classroom with um, students who do not have disabilities. Um, and so it's important that as a teacher, you're able to um, teach your students with, kind of with the confidence that you know and you believe in your student with a disability, um, whether that student's in the classroom with you or in the building as a whole, um, that you're able to carry across to them that every student matters um, and that every student has a place here. And incorporating, um, whether it's literature or even intentional lessons about disability, um, just shows that you are literally preaching what you practice, or practicing what you preach. It goes both ways. Um, and because inclusion is becoming more commonplace, I think it's just even more important that teachers are leading the charge in um, allowing this to unfold in our schools. Um, another piece is that kids, they don't always get it. Um, like we expect them to understand how to interact with students with disabilities, how to do all these things that they're expected to do and we just sort of like, they'll pick it up on the way. And they really don't. Um, some do. Some are, are very aware and very um, just natural at kind of befriending people who are different than them. Um, some people are natural at some of those social skills right off the bat. And other students, they just, it just they don't catch it. They don't know. They almost need people this is so-and-so, they have a disability, here's how we can love them well, here's how we can be a friend to them well. Um, and so there is that little piece of discomfort, I feel like, for a lot of adults, like how do I step into this space? Um, I'm not an expert on this, like 
how do I like integrate this student well into my classroom? Um, and how do I feel like I can step in and tell one of my other students, like, this is what is expected of you if you maybe don't feel comfortable with that entirely yourself. Um, so hopefully this presentation kind of helps um, bridge some of those gaps. So another reason why, because 64% of students are included in um, the general education classroom for at least 80% of their day, which is more than half, and I think that number is even growing because this is from public schools, um, and you know that Christian schools, um, at least in the West Michigan area, are really big points of inclusion, and, um, and students are not in separate buildings, not in separate classrooms. They're integrated in the general education classroom. So um, that's just a number for you guys to reference, and then here is uh, another graphic you can see the prevalence of inclusion as figures are passing, and that was like 2015, so I can only imagine it's continuing to climb um, from the last uh, bit of data. Okay, so uh, as I said, before you can effectively teach your students about disability, um, you also have to understand some things about disability as well. Um, the first thing uh, is really important, I think this is just in the last couple of years that I've grown more comfortable saying disability. Um, for a long time it was like, oh, we want to shy away from saying disability, we want to we go with special needs, um, we want to go with differently abled, you probably heard all these words yeah. thrown out, and you might use them as a way of being like less um, intense about it. Like, just, oh, it sounds sweeter, it sounds nicer, with a little bow on it, um, and make sure that everybody knows that, you know, people who have disabilities are, they're just special. They're just a little different. But really, reality is, no, they're, they're very different. And the thing about that is that it's okay. That's what I tend to get over. Um, yes, my brother has a disability, and yes, he's very different, and that's good. Like, different is good, different is okay. Um, so, you, again, can only preach what you have practiced. So, practicing some of that language, um, practicing some of those beliefs, and um, not being afraid to name disability for what it is. Um, and that will translate to our students being able to do the same. To be able to say, matter-of-factly, yeah, John has a disability. He has autism. And it's just it's just a matter of fact thing. Um, it doesn't mean one thing or another. It's just he has a disability. This is how we can support him and love him well. I'm his friend. Um, and it doesn't become so uncomfortable, I guess. Similar to this is if we see a person with a disability um, and a child stares, we usually tell this child, don't stare, don't look, look away. Um, and what that not so intentionally teaches course, like a parent or a teacher is just trying to, trying to respect that person. You don't, you don't stare at people. Um, but what that is also teaching that child is we don't interact. We don't engage with people who are different, people who have disabilities. We, we, sh we don't. We just don't look at them. We don't want to talk to them. And then that child's then growing up believing that same thing. Um, like, oh, I don't want to look at him. He's making a fun sound. I'm not going to stare. And of course, there's a difference between like, you know, staring with disgust and staring with curiosity. I think there's a big difference there. Um, but as a parent and as a teacher, I think one of the best things you can do um, is if you see a student in your classroom that's doing something that's kind of odd, that students are going to stare at, right? It's, that's natural, that's normal for students, for adults, to stare at people who are doing something that doesn't fit the norm. Um, if somebody in here just started yelling, like, we're all going to turn and look at them. Um, right? That's, it's, it's a normal human response. Um, but what you can encourage is, rather than simply staring, you can say, hey, why don't you say hi? Introduce yourself. Um, and that teaches that child then, okay, 
staring, it's okay, we're curious about how can we engage with that person in a next level kind of way. Okay, so um, some of the lessons in books that I'll show you, I don't know why this slide was totally necessary, I just thought that you could do it um, as a classroom teacher, so I don't know how many of you are classroom teachers.
I encourage you to fully embrace that because again, we don't want to shy away from like the student has a disability. We want to say, okay, this student, <laughs> this student has Down syndrome, and that's great. That's okay. It's just who he is. Um, and being able to name that really brings another level where students then can go home and say, Mom, I have this friend in my class who has Down syndrome, and this is what I learned about him or her. This is why she does this thing that I don't do. Isn't that kind of cool? And um, it just gives them more verb verbiage, verbiage for um, what they, who, what their experiences are in school. Okay, so this is the first lesson um, book that I like to kind of start the year off with because it just kind of uh, sets the scene for continuing to talk about inclusion and community and friendship during the school year. Um, and it's called In the Fair, and it's by Ellie Samazaro, um, and she has a child with a disability. Um, and I will, <coughs> I'm not going to read all the books to you guys because that feels awkward, but... I will, I'll read like one or two of them maybe just so you can kind of see like what it looks like for me. Um, and before I do, because of course I have to follow what I do up here, um, I brought Play-Doh, and I don't have much for everyone. Um, but if for no, no, no other reason, you can just put it in your hands and finish with it if you love that. But what I would do is I'd pass up the Play-Doh to the students, and I would say, okay, with your Play-Doh, um, make a person that looks like you. And they, of course, don't know the book or any of this stuff yet, but make a person that looks like you. And, sorry. <laughs> um, and students, they, it's Play-Doh, so they love it. And they really, I feel like from what I've experienced with watching kids make it, is they really take it seriously. Even like the fifth grade classes that I've been in are like, yeah, okay, play, oh, that's something different. And they'll, they'll do their best to make something out of it. So while you guys do that, I'll read the book. So a long time ago, God made all sorts of things, like planets and stars, moons, mountains, and springs. He made oceans and rivers and lakes and lagoons, jungles and forests, gorillas, baboons. He made all of this stuff, and he said, it is good, but it didn't seem quite as complete as it should. So God fashioned a man from a fistful of dust, but thought a good friend was an absolute must. So he took one small bone from the brand new man's side and made a fine woman to be the man's bride. You are made in my image, God said to the pair, and all my creation with you I will share. Were volcanoes made in his image? No way. Tigers? Elephants, tigers, the smooth manta ray? No. The soul image bears were woman and man, and for these two, God had one incredible thing. So you might be asking, am I like that too? Do I bear God's image? And what about you? The answer is yes. You reflect who God is. You are wonderfully made and undoubtedly his. The way you communicate does not change the way you reflect God's image every single day. We can share our thoughts in different ways with a word, nod, a sign, a point, or a gaze. You may even use some cool high-tech gear to say what you want those around you to hear. Whether loud or quiet, chatty or not, you're made in God's image and He loves you a lot. You'll notice that 
the author and illustrator incorporated real, real I'm in student mode, real kids uh, into the illustrations and gives a little caption about who they are and what they are using in that picture. Um, just again, normalizing. You verify's image if you use wheels to travel on sidewalks or carpet, on grass, dirt, or gravel. You also are like him if you use legs to walk and if crutches help you to go around the block. You are made in God's image if a tooth's in your belly or if you munch on peanut butter and jelly. If you have 23 pairs made of your DNA or if there's a different amount, say hooray. You're made in God's image and no one can change it. Nothing will shift, modify, or arrange it. If you see with your eyes, or as well if you don't, it won't change how God's made you like him. No, it won't. If you're healthy or sick, sturdy or fragile, if you move slow or quick, if you're wobbly or agile. And if any part is not what you expect, the ways you are like him, it will not affect. God had a plan for you long before birth, so don't ever doubt if your life contains birth. You're so precious to him that he sent his own son. Jesus came to give life, and his work, it is done. Your value comes not from the things that you do. You have worth because God has made and loved you.
two or three or four, um, when you would do something like this, that those students in your classroom have had the chance to, if nothing else, see, hear, and be in community with the student with a disability or students with disabilities. Um, and they probably have questions. They probably are curious. They probably are not interacting or engaging with that student much at all, unless they had him or her in their class before. Um, because we are afraid of what we don't know. Um, and if things are new and different to us, then again, human, human nature is to just kind of avoid it. Um, and so uh, allowing students to ask the questions that they have, um, and no question is really off limits, of course, use your discretion with that, with ages and stuff like that. But um, if some students will say some like, why does he walk like that? And it's just like, ooh, okay, that wasn't super kind. But it's, it's a curiosity that kids have. Um, or what's wrong with him, right? We've probably heard that before. Um, maybe if parents have heard your kids say, oh, what is, what's wrong with that guy? Um, and it's okay, because students, kids are figuring that stuff out. Um, they're not trying, most of the time, to be mean. They just want to know. And then in your response is the opportunity that you then have to say, oh, well, nothing's wrong with him, but he walks like that because he was born with cerebral palsy and he needs to use crutches or walking, gosh, crutch, walking, I don't know what those are called, um, <laughs> to move around. Um, and so being able to use that language, and then you're giving your student that language as well, so that next time they say, maybe they'll ask, hey, does that guy have to hold me too? And probably not always, right? But um, it's, a, it's a next step, and they're, and they're learning and growing as we all are. All right. Okay, so here's some more books for this image bearer scene. Um, you can build a lesson around either of those as well, or incorporate them in. You can expand this and make it uh, any of these um, mini units, and then you can do mini lessons in the mini unit about um, bearing God's image. Uh, I, I do have both of these up here if you want to take a look at the end. Um, okay, this next one. I didn't use eyes because that's 
funny than I thought. Okay, anyway, like it's, uh, it's like a duplicate. Anyway, so then um, there's their eye demon, and then there's this how the body really looks. And then, well, what's wrong with it? Why are there so many eyes on here? And then, um, and then I take all the eyes off, and then I hand out the actual parts of the body. There's not every part. There's no kneecaps. Like these are the arms. They're like blobs of light. Um, and it, we do the we do our best with it. And the students get to come up and put the body parts on the body where they actually go. Um, and you probably already know where this is going because. Christians, we know um, about the world parts of the body of Christ. Um, and so that's the verse that I bring in is 1 Corinthians 12, just as one body, as many parts, as many parts form one body, so it is of Christ, who are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Um, and then I really liked the part that says, um, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If, we, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Keeps going. Um, but that's why I use eyes. If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear um, and so we can then apply that to our classrooms and our schools and our communities and everything because we are all different. Um, we all are a different part of the body of Christ. Um, and so then we can incorporate it different ways. Like, Johnny, you're a hand. And some may think that's funny. Um, and then, like, what do you provide to this classroom or to this group um, that is special? That is something that only you can do. And the kids kind of start to reflect on some of that. Um, and then the book that I read is, and there's, again, lots of books that would fit, um, is Different is a Great Thing to Be um, by Heather Avis. She is a, can I her? In, in my world, she's a big name, but <laughs> my world is small. Um, so she uh, has adopted several kids with Down syndrome, so she's a pretty loud um, uh, author and speaker um, of advocacy and uh, yeah so she wrote some books in her children's honor and um, this one is really great it's uh, right I'm not going to read this one to you but I'll pass it around as well um, and it just shares about how it's if we were all the same and how boring would this world be but we're all different and different is great um, which is kind of one of those first things I said is if we're scared of different then we're not the different is it's bad it's scary it's bad we don't want to embrace it but if we start seeing different as good um, and as beautiful, then we'll, we'll be so scary to say disability. I'm just say, oh yeah, they're different. It's okay. It's good. Um, then I have... Um, 
it basically is, he shares a, just a quick story of a boy and his dad, and his dad was trying to kind of keep his son from sharing his special power of being able to float and fly around, and it freaked all the kids in the playground out, so his dad would like to put stuff in his backpack to keep him way down and like, cover his hair from the like, um, and because he didn't want his son to be made fun of and for to see the reaction that kids are going to have to him, so he tried to do that. And, um, but, you know, it's going to be different <laughs> regardless, so we go to the park and he's different and kids are staring, parents are staring, even if it's a way that unfortunately it's all too real and I've seen it. Um, but so it hits hard in that way if you ever experienced someone that you love or even a student of yours um, being pulled, you know, being ignored, being rejected um, from people, adults, kids, anyone. Um, and then eventually the dad freaks out on his son and just says, why can't you be normal? And the son cries and everyone saw it happen and then eventually he just kind of embraces his son and literally embraces his son and realizes that um, you know, this is who he is and lets him be himself and um, and they have a great time together and then just the kids and parents are watching the dad and son have a great time together. Anyway, I just gave you all of it, but <laughs> still worth watching, um, definitely. So um, these are some other books that I would recommend for the differences being. Um, I have these different and polygamy up here. Um, go look at those. Different is very, very like elementary, like preschool kindergarten, um, like three words on a page kind of thing. Uh, but it's it's short, sweet, simple, gets the point across. And um, no such thing as normal. I have not read that one, but I that one's been highly recommended. Um, me. I is written from the author's experience. I don't believe she's a sister, but um, has a friend with autism, and so it doesn't talk about autism. It doesn't say the word autism, um, but that's the background for that one. So it's very helpful. Um, turtle friends can get along together. Um, all right. So the next uh, lesson that I've done is a one on kind of belonging. Um, and some of these things kind of overlap, so belonging, friendship, inclusion, and, you know, all those, they, they all mesh together. Um, so this one, I wanted to share with you guys because uh, I use my book to do the, this lesson on this theme. Um, and I wanted to share this one specifically to show you how if you were to incorporate a specific disability um, for a disability awareness month, for an event that you're doing, anything like that, how do you about that specific disability. So instead of the broader concept of friendship and inclusion, um, image bearing, that's applied to everyone. Like, that's not been specific. How do you teach a child or a classroom of children? Um, our friend Jimmy here has whatever, has Down syndrome. Um, and they say, what? Down syndrome? And you're like, I don't know. Like, this is what he has. How do you how do you teach that in child-friendly terms? Um, and I, I don't make one of these for every disability that exists because there are way too many and it would be, yeah, but if that, if you know of one that applies to a child in your school, in your classroom, um, then you can follow what I'll share with you as kind of a model um, to introduce that to your students. Or you can also find someone in your community, um, parent of the child, sibling of the child, um, another leader in the community, 
uh, one of the special education teachers that might feel more comfortable talking about that specific um, disability with students. So that would be another recommendation encouragement um, to do most parents. If they're willing to have someone talk about their child's disability, they're most likely very willing for it to be them um, because who better than the parent of the child. Um, <clears throat> so I will show you. I usually like to do this because um, this is a little background on me and my brother. And it's just a little
was the end I heard. Oh, uh oh. Oh, wait. I think it's off the The curse of arms. Ends up being 46 chromosomes in total, 
right? So 46 individual shots or 23 pairs. So there's 23 kids in your class. Perfect. You're set for success. Uh, you have to think around it a little bit. But um, yeah, so each kid has their pairs of socks and they're like mismatched and crazy and fun. Um, and then I'll usually find one, just one more, but not a pair, just a singular sock. Yeah. Throw it to one kid. And now that kid has three. Um, and usually I'll count out to find that 21st student and then that 21st student will get <laughs> that 21st student will get that extra sock because uh, Down syndrome exists when a person has an extra 21st chromosome, so they have three instead of two um, chromosomes in that, and almost four, if not all, cells in their bodies. So um, that's kind of how I explain it in a in kind of kid-friendly language. It's hard because it's like, what is, what is a chromosome? And I'm like, so, um, and then, yeah, and then DNA and all that, and that's like they learned some high school biology and that, and then they learned some multiplication if they're using 23 times 2. Um, so you just cross-curricular things get thrown in there, it's great. Um, but that's how I usually would introduce Down syndrome, and then just saying that those, oh, that extra stuff, that's it, that's, that extra stuff alone is um, what exists in of our Down syndrome cells, and that's what creates them, um, how God created them, gave them that in order uh, to make them who they are. And um, again, we can celebrate that and talk about that, and then usually lead into like, oh, um, we're Down syndrome day, I try to do this one around that, or October is Down syndrome awareness month, um, you can wear crazy socks, and we can, um, we can celebrate our friends with Down syndrome. So uh, that's how I tie in a specific disability um, to a lesson. And there's books specific to autism and I have some more slides that I'll share um, physical disabilities and things so that it applies more to maybe a student that you're thinking of now. Okay. Um, then I have this book. Um, this is, so friendship and inclusion, there's so many books on friendship. Like all of these books have applied to that as well as all the ones up here. Um, I really like this one and uh, it's called Upside Down Sid. Um, and so before I would do this, I would do this goals I actually, um, that was actually was taken from the circle of friends by Barbara. It's that, so and you've probably done it, or you've done it with your students where you make those circles and then in the middle, um, you put like the people that are closest to you, family, and then you go out a circle, and then it's friends, and then you go out, and it's, um, groups that you're a part of, sports teams, classes, uh, and then you zoom out even more, and it's like people who, get, who are paid to know you. <laughs> um, so dentist, doctor, teacher, all that kind of stuff. Like they're getting a paycheck to do something for you, with you, whatever. Um, so that's, and then students would fill that out, or if they're younger and they don't have words yet, they might draw pictures to show who people are. Um, and then to talk about, okay, so um, what, how do you, what do you think about if somebody's circle What if somebody circle and it was just the people that you're related to, like your family, and then the people who are paid to be with you? Um, yeah, and examples, yeah. Physical therapist, dentist, occupational therapist, doctor, psychologist, speech therapist, and the other circles are empty. Those people that maybe don't have to love you <laughs> or spend time with you, but who want to. 
um, would fill in those other two? And what if you had a friend sitting next to you that couldn't fill in those? Um, and sometimes people, students, kids with disabilities, not by their choosing, there's circles look like that. Um, they don't have friends. Uh, that's been a very difficult reality for my brother, and he's 23 now, so he should have sailed um, in some ways, but um, he did not have friends that weren't also disabled. And there's nothing wrong with having friends that were disabled. Um, they're still friends, but yeah, I could not name a single friend other than myself and my sister um, who were neurotypical, who were friends with him. Um, and that's just not great. Like, we can do better than that. Uh, and yeah, so um, the bold activities kind of gets that first little bit of like, oh wow, I haven't really thought that some people didn't have a friend. Like, imagine that. Um, and then this book talks about kind of how to be a friend. So I will read this one because. Um, in a town much like yours, where everything is the right side up, lived upside down Sid. Has anyone heard this book? For as long as Sid could remember, most things were one way around and he was the other. With a few small exceptions, Sid tried not to, tried not to let it bother him. But it wasn't easy fitting in or making friends. Sid looked forward to his quiet time at home. It was the one place he could go about his business without too much fuss. Yet there were days he wished he had helped and company. One morning while Sid was eating his breakfast, a basketball smashed through his window. Sorry, came a voice from outside. We'll fix it, said his neighbor, and we'll make it up to you, said another. Sid's neighbors bought him a ticket to the fairground, but Sid wasn't allowed on the roller coaster. And in the haunted house, it was Sid who frightened the ghosts. <laughs> Sid was ready to go home. Would you like to come over for lunch, he asked. Yes, please, they all said. On the way home, Sid began to feel nervous. He realized he was in over his head. That was a lunch to remember, said his neighbors. Sid wondered if he'd ever see them again. morning, as Sid left his house, his neighbors were waiting out of sight. When he was gone, they went inside with their tools and ladders. I'm not going to stop this. <laughs> when Sid arrived home later that day, he noticed his window had been fixed. Look at that, he thought. He walked onto his couch and looked around. Something felt odd. Wait a minute, he said. My couch, my bookcase, everything is my way up. This called for a special upside-down party. That night, for the very first time, Sid climbed into his bed and fell asleep. And he did see his friends again, almost every day. So, um, and I think that that book specifically kind of it's at how inclusion is not always the way that we think it to be where, okay, well, we're just going to invite him in. Like, he can be part of the class. It's great. It's great. Um, no, inclusion is actually where sometimes we have to move. Sometimes we have to flip things the other way around, and we have to be the ones that are shifting and bending and changing the way that we are so that that student or that kid or whatever it may be can fit better. Um, how, do, how can we do things more like him or her? Um, and that's a whole shift on our part is 
try to not just change the student to fit better in a classroom, but how do we change the classroom to fit better for the student? Um, and we do that every day with each individual kid. We try our best to do that. Um, sometimes it just takes a bit more of a shift of mind or classroom community to bring that one student in, um, or, or several in some cases. And I think that that book shows us just how to do that. Sometimes you have to flip everything over to show somebody that they're welcome here um, and that they have friends too. Um, so, Partly Cloudy is another Pixar short. Um, you've probably seen that. Okay, this one's maybe a little bit more popular. Um, <laughs> I'll just show it. Wait, how much time? Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, partly body, yeah, it gets across that same kind of friendship idea. Um, sometimes it's hard to be friends with somebody who has a disability. For sure, it's not always easy. Um, I kind of have no choice but to be a friend to my brother. I would choose it anyway. Um, but sometimes it's not, it's not always easy. Um, things that I'm like, but you can't say that. Like, we're in a crowd full of people, and we, we'll just, we'll just swear. We'll just say that. I'm like, like, we, we can't do that. Um, it's hard to then step in and be like, oh, I'm with him, you know, like that kid. Um, that's hard. And for our little ones or our kids who are trying to figure out adolescence and older even, like, that's not always easy to be the friend. Um, who's not only a friend, but also sometimes trying to also be their teacher, um, trying to guide them to do what's socially appropriate um, or to learn something. Even. And that's not always easy. So this, this short shows that. And the bird chose, just watch. <laughs> I'm not going to get that one all the way. Um, okay, great. And then, oh, the scripture for that one. Um, I. I like to use uh, John 15, 12 through 13. You know it. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. Um, sometimes that's a little play when we have to give a little bit more to give them to somebody with a disability. And uh, depending on the age of the students, a couple of important things that um, I've had to address with older classes is laughing at versus laughing with. Um, that's a big one, so you can do a sub-lesson. Um, on that alone, just because that can get kind of confusing. How do you know if you're like making fun of somebody or if you're having fun together? Um, that can be a tricky assignment. Um, and then as well as uh, talking down to or maybe I see our sweet, well-meaning kids who are like, oh my goodness, it's Johnny, oh my Johnny, and they're like talking to maybe a probably older than them or the same age as them. Um, and even if he was younger, still, like, you're not going to talk to a peer in your school that way. Um, so some of those kinds of things, and again, that the little ones, they do, you know, all the students are doing their best. They're being a friend regardless. Um, but as they get older, some of those conversations can be had of how do, we, how do we be a friend in a way that's truly a genuine friendship and not just like, hey, you're our mascot. Like, I'm going to be your buddy so that I can get points in the teacher's head or I can feel good about myself today. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of how, how it can be sometimes. Um, and yeah, so trying to avoid that and trying to encourage students to be friends and genuine friends um, is important. Nope.
You might get to watch the whole thing. <laughs> so just enjoy it.
friend does, um, and kids really struggle with that concept. Well, how come this kid gets this, and I don't get this? Why does this kid get to be on his iPad for twice as long? We all know the reason, like as the teachers or the parents, we know why. Um, but that doesn't make a lot of sense to the students. That's not fair. Really. Um, so sharing with them in real tangible ways that it's not always fair. It's just fair and poor, not the same thing. Um, and being good friends is giving our friends what they need to whatever that fill in the blank. Success, safety, um, So through Wendy's and um, incorporating more of this into the classroom and into the school, um, I picked one, uh, one book, sorry, I should say. I picked one, like there were so many. There may have been, but the only one I heard from um, was one uh, student who said, I'm a teacher like you, and I want to teach students like students same um, when I'm older. And I don't know if it was because of these lessons and these books, and I don't know what he contributed to, but um, he came up and he said that to me, and he told his mom also. Uh, and that was like, oh my goodness, like, who knows if it will actually happen? But it, it meant something to him. Um, it made an impact on him when he was in third grade, so um, a little older, but uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's making a difference for students, and even if the student with a disability may never be able to say that it meant something to them, um, the results of it, you know, the friends that are coming forward, and um, one thing that was hugely noticeable after going into classrooms and sharing um, for the first time was students were like obsessed with our one student that I can think of that had a disability. Like they now are like, oh, I'm not scared of him anymore because I know about him and I'm gonna interact with him. And like everyone was like fighting for his attention, creating <laughs> other problems. But um, it was like huge and I, I had to have been the reason why. So um, again, like I said, students aren't always just gonna get it. Sometimes you have to explicitly teach them um, and show them what it looks like. And then with more interaction, more empathy and, and more inclusion, which is obviously the goal. And, as students would then kind of like get out of, you know, it's been a while since I go to, I went into the classes. You noticed that the kids were interacting a little bit less and go back in and see that spike again. Of course, you don't want it to be a spike. You want it to just be always, but something is better than nothing. So. All right. Um, some other ideas you can do building it around anything. Even a lesson to be uh, an awareness month. There's awareness month for everything. Um, or a day or event. Uh, tying it cross curricular, we love that. Um, how can you build in like the research and disability? We had a classroom last year that did um, their research project or research essay. I don't know what it is in third grade, but they're writing and they had to do research. Um, they found people with Down syndrome to um, research and then like write about them, which is really cool. Um, like famous people. So you can do that, you can have them learn about a disability or multiple disabilities. Um, you can have visits with an author, illustrator, any one of these are small enough of fake authors that they might be willing. Um, or like a focus book for a genre of literature. Like, um, all of these are narratives for the most part, but you can find, especially for older kids, like a memoir or biography um, to introduce that uh, genre. Um, and then how can you bring it if you don't want to, you know, just your class, how can you teach the school, or how can you go into your community and, um, and, and 
doing that teach them, but how can you interact and engage with communities? Because if you don't have students with disabilities in your school, okay, well, they exist. <laughs> you know, go out there. Um, because again, if the more exposure, the more likely um, students and you are to engage with people who are different than you. It less less scary. So, um, okay, additional things, the ones, um, and then some more books specific to that syndrome. If you wanted to teach again what what it is like in the science part of it, and also what some characteristics might be, some implications, um, physical disabilities, so limb differences, wheelchair users. Addressing the question, what happened to you? What's wrong with you? Um, so there. Able Fables, she wrote this one. Um, she got, like, she's written four books already. Um, that each, <laughs> each character um, is an animal based on a real human kid. Um, and kind of shares their story <laughs> and in a fun, like, whimsy way. So, um, those. Um, autism, a little bit harder to find books on autism, surprisingly, maybe. Um, more, I think more and more autistic people are coming for it as their adults now and saying, like, no, don't speak for us. Um, which is true. So, uh, yeah, it's just harder to find, like, where I could recommend a book coming on autistic author or about autistic person's experience without there being a potential backlash or an actual autistic person who's like, no, that book is not. So, I've been. Uh, and then, of course, you know, our lovely book wonder, I've heard of that one, um, but some other books if you teach older students, so fourth, fifth grade, maybe, uh, middle school, some ones that uh, I could recommend. So this one has characters with cognitive impairments. Um, this one will be the and then, if you want some more reading to do for yourself, here's some more books as well that you could learn from. Um, Heather Avis is a children's book author, but she also, before she was a children's book author, was an adult author um, who wrote books about inclusion and Okay, here we are. So, giveaway. Um, if you didn't already, quickly, you can go into... It's, it's not set. It's like edit over a view only. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we're going to do it old school. Um, one, two, two, three, four, five. Wait, so remember your number. I'll start over. One, two,
<laughs> They're doing great. Yeah. Can I roll up? Yeah. 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 You like it in your brain and you're like, do I actually know how to reverse my car right now? Like, you start really thinking about it.